With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. Thank you to our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the 2024 Colin Coward Show. Panini America delivers a premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL, NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. Whether you're chasing rookie sensations or collecting timeless legends, Panini's got it. Panini America is also breaking new ground in NIL, featuring some of the biggest names in college sports. Turn first-round picks like Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and more. Visit PaniniAmerica.net today. The Volume. This week on Prime Cuts, John Middlecoff on the disaster in Dallas and all things NFL. Nick Wright, a fast-paced hour. And my top takes of the week. What an S show was that by Philadelphia. (laughs) So I went three and two on my playoff picks, but I thought Philadelphia, you know, it was one of the games I thought, you know, they'll win. There's not much there with Tampa. This thing... If Tampa Bay could catch in the first half, the game would have been over start of the second quarter. Philadelphia was not even competitive. And, you know, I was thinking about this, is that we all know that even competent NFL coaches, Dan Quinn for Atlanta was a competent coach, not great, but competent. He was elevated significantly by Kyle Shanahan. That we know. And there have been a lot of coaches through the years who have been helped by an assistant. They they reach their highest form of head coaching with a really good assistant, but they don't necessarily fall off the table. I mean, Sean McVay, Shanahan, they just run through assistants and coordinators. They're elite coaches. It doesn't affect them. And then the B coaches, Dan Quinn, are, are clearly um, elevated by an elite um, coordinator. But Nick Sirianni is not an A or a B. He's probably a C or a D. And if you take Shane Steichen's play calling, not Shane Steichen just being in the building, just his play calling away from Nick Sirianni, you have a coach that had the most embarrassing opening press conference ever, who struggled in year one when he called the plays. And here in his final year, the team got progressively worse, like Brandon Staley bad every week. Brandon Staley, good job of climbing the coaching ladder. He wasn't ready to be a head coach in the National Football League. Nick Sirianni's not. I remember when he first got the job, you know, I, I said, I, I call people and I and I was talking to a GM tonight about Jed Fish going from Arizona to Washington. And I was just asking some questions about recruiting and personnel and and blah, blah, blah. But I, I usually do that. I'll call GMs, text GMs and say, hey, what do you know? What do you think? And on Sirianni, two of my executive friend said, I don't think he's ready for the job. I don't think he's ready for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a high pressure, high leverage job. That's a tough job. Um, and so then he butchers the press conference and I'm like, oh Jesus, Google it. It's, I've never seen anything like it. Go look at Sean McVay's opening press conference, Kyle Shanahan's 
<laughs> go, go, go look at the, the young coach, D'Amico Ryan's, I mean, it, Mike Tomlin's first press conference. Go look at Nick Sariani's. Um, and so I had sources say he's not ready. The opening press conference, his first year is ugly. Then he relinquishes play calling. And you think, well, this guy is something. This guy is something here. Folks, uh, the truth eventually comes out. And I don't think um, my problem with Brandon Staley is my same problem with Nick Sariani. What does Philadelphia do well? What do the Chargers do well? You went from narrow losses to touchdown losses to embarrassing losses. It just got worse over time. It's like having a bad boss in any industry. The company gets worse really fast. So I, I think, you know, you could certainly argue Mike McCarthy, as Kellen Moore left, upgraded the Cowboy offense. You could argue he's won 12 games, 12 games, 12 games, best Dak we've ever seen. You got to keep him. You could certainly argue Mike Tomlin, they lost today. He's Mike Tomlin. He's never had a losing season, right? Those are different conversations. But with Brandon Staley and Nick Sirianni, this isn't going to get better. I mean, this doesn't, I don't see the hope. I don't even know what I watched. And, and, and like the Chargers, you have these young coaches who probably had somebody on that resume. For the record, the Eagles were going to hire Staley until the Chargers did. Think about that. Um, you know, he had probably somebody on the resume made a call for him and um, maybe interviews well. But I, I don't know where you go if you're Philadelphia. Like, again, look at the losses in the playoffs. Uh, Kevin Stefanski lost. He was on his fourth quarterback. Uh, Mike McDaniel lost. Warm weather Tua on the road against Mahomes. Sean McVay lost. Hell of a game. Rebuilding year to begin with. I can look at Mike McCarthy. I mean, the offense was better when Kellen Moore left. I can make arguments for all the losing coaches. I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this. It doesn't look like he's ready. He can't coach. I mean, I, what do they do well? And they got personnel. So, I mean, Troy Aikman said on the broadcast very early, he didn't like the body language of Philadelphia. I mean, for Troy to say that, go out and say that, it's like, wow, he's seeing something or hearing something. And he was right. Um, the, the coaching disparities in these playoffs, man, I know it sounds impulsive and overreactionary to say, ah, Sirianni was in the Super Bowl. You know, you 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 got to move on. You tell me his theatrics on the sidelines, um, the regression of Jalen Hurts. I mean, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert. We know they're talented. We've seen it. Wrong coach. We know the quarterback's the most valuable player in the league and the most valuable element to a franchise. But if you don't think coaching can puncture quarterback momentum, I give you the Chargers and the Eagles. So let me get this straight on Tua. He's small, doesn't have a great arm up the sideline, not athletic, has some injuries, and now can only play in ideal conditions. So he has to have home games throughout the playoffs to be formidable. So, I mean, doesn't mean you're going to get rid of him, but I think you have to look to the future and understand what he is. I mean, his record in December and January is not good. His record in September and October is good. And that's okay. Um, you know, he he is a quarterback that's more than capable. I mean, he made a Pro Bowl over Josh Allen. Now, I think the Pro Bowl's nonsense. I think awards, Oscars, Emmys, I think a lot of it's nonsense. Plaques don't make the player. Everybody knows that. But, um, you know, I mean, I think you look at two and it's like, what? One skill does he have over Josh Allen? 
Oh, <laughs> really? So you just have to know going forward, there's limitations to what he can do, especially late in the season. You know, I think Miami was what I said they were all season. They're fun. I like watching them. I like their coach. I like Tyreek Hill. Two is fine. Uh, they're a convertible sports car. They're just not built for December and January. You know, they're just not built for this type of weather. So quarterbacks, none of them love playing in this weather. Uh, Brady liked cold weather because he said when it was slippery, defensive linemen couldn't get a pass rush. Most quarterbacks don't love it. But, I mean, the difference between the great ones and guys you don't give an extension to are can you overcome? Can you play in bad elements? Can you play hurt? Uh, can you play against the great pass rush? Can you play when your left tackle's a swinging door? So I think Tua is just a quarterback that when everything's lined up perfectly, he can play. But you saw C.J. Stroud earlier today. Bigger, stronger, better arm. Uh, now, again, weather's different, but you look at C.J. Stroud, there's nothing you're really missing there. Big arm, sideline, sees the field, get gets rid of it, can throw on the move, can move a little. There's just nothing you don't like. And with two, I, it, there's not a lot I love. He is a warm weather quarterback. When things are ideal, he can put up some good numbers with a world-class receiving core and Mike McDaniel, who's a really smart offensive coach. But uh, things have to be right. Um you know, it's interesting when I was watching Tua, teams will tell you what they think of their players by the play calling. And so Mike McDaniel's play calling was super conservative in the second half. Well, that's telling you he doesn't trust him. So, you know, you, you can tell when you watch Mahomes and C.J. Stroud, their coaches trust him. They trust them cognitively. They trust them physically. Uh, they trust them, you know, in, in crisis situations, high leverage situations. I'm watching Mike McDaniel's play calling. He didn't want Tua to throw. He didn't want him to sit in the pocket. His bubble screens. So that that's a tell. In poker, that's a tell. I thought the uh, Rams-Lions game, I felt it was going to be a very, very close game. I had the Rams winning by, I think, one. Um, really elevated quarterback play. First of all, Matt Stafford's insane. Puka Nakua for a rookie is insane. I mean, you are watching, Matt Stafford is making throws out there that maybe only Mahomes can do. Uh, this is a rebuilding year for Sean McVay and the Rams and Stafford playing with guts, his hands all ripped up. What an athlete that guy is. Um, it's just, you know, the difference in the game was pretty simple. The Lions had three long drives and got touchdowns out of them. And in the second half, it was the Rams having long drives and just getting field goals out of them. And that's the difference in the game. I thought Detroit, um, you know, Rams, pretty poor tackling first half. And, you know, the Lions, physical up front, O-line, punishing running backs, hard to tackle, kind of pushed the Rams around. They made adjustments at half, which Sean McVay is prone to do. And they slowed Goff down. Goff was just too comfortable in the first half. And when Jared Goff is comfortable, you know, he's just a really, really good quarterback. I've seen Jared Goff, comfortable Jared Goff, outduel Patrick Mahomes on a Monday night football game. He throws a beautiful football. But if you pressure him, he's not the same quarterback. So he didn't face any pressure in the first half. Long 75-yard drive after 75-yard drive, and you're getting you're getting touchdowns. In the second half, they got some pressure on him. He was less effective. Uh, and Stafford put on a clinic. I mean, it was 2-2. It was uh, Puka, uh, Cooper Cup. It didn't matter. Everything worked. It was beautiful to watch. Um I just thought you watched a really good football game. And, and if you go look at this weekend, here's what we, we saw this weekend. C.J. Stroud, elevated quarterback play. 
Stafford, Goff, elevated quarterback play. Mahomes, elevated quarterback play in terrible weather. That's the sport. Tua, disappointing. Flacco, too many picks. Um, I mean, Stafford played like a winning quarterback, but, you know, the Lions got the W at home. And, uh, you know, listen, I'm, you know, the thing about all these games is the league is different in the postseason, right? It, it's more intense, and players will tell you that. Every time I talk to a player, it's it's much more intense in the playoffs. Um, but it really does come down regular season and postseason. Do you trust your coach, and do you trust your quarterback? And I thought the Lions-Rams, that is about as good a playoff game as you're going to get. Um, two culture setters as head, coach, head coaches, and Stafford and Goff are, especially when they have time, are really, really elite throwers of the football. Uh, I thought that was so much fun to watch. And and I'm very happy. My wife's from Michigan. So I'm very happy for Detroit. Um, I think the the architect of this Lions renaissance is not Dan Campbell, though he's been effective. And it's not Jared Goff, although I like him. I think it's Brad Holmes, the executive upstairs they got from the Rams. I think they've had back-to-back-to-back uh, -to -back -to -back great drafts. Remember Dan Campbell's first year and a half. Go back and look at the record. <laughs> it wasn't very good. They have done just a remarkable job of fixing that offensive line via the draft, upgrading tight end, wide receiver, pass rushers. Um, Detroit's got this convergence of excellent GM, really strong quarterback play, a culture-setting head coach, and you jam it all together. Listen, um, defensively, they can they can give up some big plays. Uh, they're not great on the back end. But we have a salary cap era, and you're paying Goff some real money, so you're not going to have a perfect roster. You know, you're not going to have the Niners when you're paying Brock Purdy nothing. You can retain all your stars. You know, Detroit's going to pay Jared Goff, and so when you're paying him, and his contract's up after next year, so it's going to get bigger if you retain him. So there's just going to be some limitations to a team when you pay your quarterback a lot. The Rams, they pay Stafford. That defense on the back end? It's okay, right? And so Kansas City, they pay Mahomes. Now the receiving core for the Chiefs, uh, Rice, Travis Kelsey, and a bunch of guys. So um, San Francisco is a really stacked roster in the NFC, but I think uh, the Lions match up pretty well with it. I do. I think the offensive line for Detroit matches up pretty well with everybody. And, you know, we, we, we've, we've talked about this before. Even Mahomes got humiliated in the Super Bowl when he didn't have his tackles. When the, when the Lions are blocking for Jared Goff and they have really uh, twitchy, hard-running, elusive, uh, tackle-breaking running backs, if Laporta's healthy, you know, Detroit's offense could be a Super Bowl-winning offense. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Pirelli Tires. 
Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Pirelli test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right, here we go. John Middlecoff, what a circus that was for Dallas. And you know, John, we've talked about this for years and years. I've never bought into Dallas. I always had this rule, the pretty good rule. Romo, Dak, they'd be pretty good. And then there was about a five-week stretch this year that I bought into it. And then they went to Miami. And I'm like, okay, it's the same old shit. And then I just, I said on the air, I, I was reeled in, I got fooled. But if you look in retrospect now, blown out by the Niners, blown out by Buffalo, pounded by Green Bay in the playoffs, lost to Miami and beat Detroit on, you know, a really dubious officiating moment. And in that game, Dak had two picks and 10 completions. And so you look at it and my takeaway is this was just an average team, right? Like a slightly better than average team. Well, to me, I, I'm with you. I bought into them. Their downfall now, three straight years, is the quarterback who makes a ton of money this year in all pro interceptions. Interceptions. Three years ago against the Niners at home, threw an awful pick and was not good in that game. Last year against the Niners in the playoffs, two interceptions. Today, how many could he have thrown? Five? Yeah. I mean, th- there were some drops. Obviously, the pick six, which the guy walked into the end zone, was not some freaky play. And then the other thing the Cowboys kind of hung their hat on was physicality, being a tough defense. What the hell was that? So if I tell you the Cowboys defense, going to no-show, and Dak Prescott, I don't care what the final numbers look like, the game was over in the first half when he's throwing the ball to the other team and getting thoroughly outplayed by a first-year starter. Just a horrendous effort by the defense of Dak Prescott. Yeah, I mean, when when you size up a player and Jordan Love and Dak on the same field, Jordan Love's more talented. He moves better. He's got more of a whip. He made a sidearm throw late in the game into the end zone to Romeo Dobbs. Dak can't do that. That's just beyond Dak. That was a Mahomes-level throw, a Lamar Jackson throw. It reminded me of Lamar. And I'm like, oh, Dak can't do that. Dak, Dak doesn't put a ton of velocity on the ball. He really has to step into it. He was never a natural thrower. I mean, I joked out of college. I thought he was a better version of Tebow. He, was, he had all the intangibles, but he wasn't a beautiful thrower. And when I've used Kirk Cousins as a comp, he's, he's Kirk Cousins with the Jordan brand, is that Kirk's a more accurate thrower. Dak's a better athlete. But we always feel with Kirk, he's holding you back from a Super Bowl. But we somehow feel that Dak is carrying you to one. And I watched today and I'm like, oh, he's easily the second best quarterback on the field. It's not particularly close. Well, the reason guys like Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Kirk Cousins have to be so elite with their footwork 
because they can't afford to throw off their back foot. The one reason why Aaron Rodgers always pushed back on some of that, like, let me freelance. He'd get away with it. Brett Favre, the big arm guys, right? You see it with Mahomes and Josh Allen. They're not beholden to the quarterback feet, you know, quote-unquote rules that the coaches harp on because of their talent. And you saw today Jordan Love had countless throws off, off his back foot that hit guys in stride way down the field. Dak Prescott, if the timing's a little off, he's way off. And, and today, I mean, he was terrible, Colin. I mean, he was, this is three straight years of just absolute no-shows in these playoff games. And I know in the one playoff game he had that was good was against Tampa Bay, who was clearly god-awful and was, you know, headed home, should not have made the playoffs last year. So against the Packers, whose defense has been really bad. I, I mean, the number one conversation is like, Matt LaFleur's got to fire his buddy Joe Barry. And then for them, I know they got the touchdown late in the game, but to only have 10, I mean, they had seven. How does this happen? I, I don't understand. Obviously, Mike's the offensive play caller. It's a combination of them both. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, and I want to talk about this because I think McCarthy's in real trouble. I had said, I defended McCarthy most of the season, but I said he has to beat Green Bay. If he can't beat yeah. Green Bay, it's a different conversation. Well, to get absolutely dominated by Green Bay and Jordan Love. Now, that's a different conversation from losing an overtime game on a bad officiating sure. call. Now, now we have a different conversation. And um, I think he gets replaced. I, I think, and Dan Quinn, by the way, there went his job market outside of Seattle. That was a dubious effort. So, I mean, let's just talk about it. Does Jerry have to I mean, Jerry's got to pay Dak. He loves Dak. He views Dak as some sort of elite quarterback and is willing to pay him. So let me ask you, how good of a job is it if the starting point is owner loves the quarterback, thinks he should be paid among the top five? Aren't you working uphill from that point forward? I think it's a pretty good job because I think the guys, I mean, immediately, obviously, Belichick and their relationship has been, you know, talked about a lot. I think Jim Harbaugh is going to have to get a call. Those guys have the juice and the power to say, look, we're not doing this. We're not giving this guy $50 million a year. You know, Mike had to lie to get the job. And the other thing that was on full display today, Matt LaFleur has the most important quality you can have in the NFL. He has the ability to develop and make a quarterback into a star, right? I mean, Dak was already pretty good when he got there, right? Dak had had success before Mike McCarthy. And one thing he has done is shit the bed now in three consecutive playoff games. Two of them have been at home. I think it's worse. Like you said, last year they lose the 49ers in a very tight game on the road. You hold your head high. It wasn't a bad loss. They have had two awful losses, though, in 2021 and this one at home. And that, to me, is unacceptable. I personally thought, coming into the game, Mike McCarthy, to keep his job, was going to have to win both home games. Right, Because if you won this game, he'd have another home game. You can't be losing at home. If you lose on the road in the NFC Championship game where they hadn't been in 25 years, okay. But now I think all signs point to Belichick. And one thing's pretty clear is Belichick has his offensive coordinator available. We talk a lot about offensive and defensive coaches. Well, the reason to me Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick, obviously Bill's resume speaks for itself, but what makes him truly powerful, Vrabel has Arthur Smith available, who he had a lot of success with. Belichick has Josh McDaniels available, who he has all the success with, and they can allow those guys to coach the offense. So uh, I, I think to me, you, you could argue Mike Vrabel if the Belichick and Arthur Smith make sense. As but just, I, th there was a toughness lacking. But, I, but again, I say, if Jerry believes Dak is it, I mean, I think we have to have... How could he believe that now, Colin, after well, what he just well, witnessed? How could he? Again, 
I have been on this for years. Dak is a good B plus quarterback. Jerry views him as an A. Um, it's 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 really interesting. It, it, this this job is fascinating. It's not that Jerry runs a turnstile, but I'd almost rather Jerry be impatient than delusional on quarterback evaluation. Agreed. Like I'd rather a guy want me to get ratings in my job. I'm fine with a little pressure. What I'm not fine with is unrealistic expectations or forcing me to work with people aren't as good as you think. Dak's just not a top 10 level guy. And Jerry thinks he's a top seven guy. The internet loves, I mean, this is what they love. They forget that new information, new opinion. Matt LaFleur was calling out Jordan Love in October press conferences. So was the GM. The the GM and the coach (laughs) were disappointed with him. Have you ever seen an in-season improvement for a quarterback? Not only is Jordan, think about this. He's cheaper than Aaron Rodgers. He's now more athletic than Aaron Rodgers. He throws the ball a lot like Aaron Rodgers. You get no drama like Aaron Rodgers. And generationally, he is completely copacetic with all these receivers and wide and, and tight ends. I mean, right now, Green Bay's young receiver tight end talent is the envy of virtually every team in the league. Like, it's hard to wrap your brain around this based on what we saw in October. Jordan Love is a significant multifaceted upgrade from Aaron Rodgers, right? That, that's not debatable now. Well, I think that you become a legend in the business of football by making moves like Ted Thompson once made, right? Brett Favre, you're gone. We're going with Aaron. Bill Walsh, we got to pivot to Steve Young. When you pivot off Aaron Rodgers, who had just previously won a couple MVPs, the coach and the GM are behind it. And then by the end of the season, into the playoffs, he looks like this. And as a GM, you have put around the youngest offense in the league. And these guys, I mean, Watson didn't even really do anything. Reed, up until the end of the game, hadn't done anything. It was Dobbs making all the plays, and he's really good. Think of the talent they have. We know how well they build offensive lines. I think these guys have immediately entered, like Ron Wolf, Ted Thompson. We have stars running our operation. Because I think yeah. it was it was okay to question it early in the season. Yeah. Not because they made the wrong move getting rid of Aaron. It's like, well, it's really hard to replace that. It was rocky. And by the end of the season, the, the guy's a flat-out superstar, and so's the unit around him. So to me, it's Gudikins and LaFleur. Like, this is why your argument on hiring offensive coaches, when you get the right one, Kyle Shanahan has owned the Cowboys the last two years in the playoffs. Why? Because he has he's comfortable playing against Dan Quinn. Matt LaFleur was also on that staff in Atlanta with Kyle, who was the quarterback coach. You, you saw it today. He wasn't uncomfortable going up against that <laughs> defense and that coordinator. And honestly, embarrassed him worse than Kyle ever did the last two years. All right, Nick Wright, we try to bring him on as often as we can. So I'm going to start with something that um, I think you'll like. Okay, and I that's a great place today. to start. Yeah, I mean, why opposed to starting with something that really pisses you off? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, let's start off on a good foot. By the way, I've decided this podcast, I'm drinking wine. I've decided to go classy. I figure you're going something hard liquor. No. By the end, you're going to be slurring. I'm going wine. I'm going Diet Coke. So. Oh, I'm drinking alone? Oh, that was not part of the deal. Now you're really going to have the the upper hand by the end of this thing. But go ahead. (laughs) So um, I've kind of stayed out of all Aaron Rodgers' political opinions and vaccine. I can disagree with stuff, but I also believe... Aaron has a right to an opinion. I can disagree, a dissenting opinion. I don't really care. 
But I think there is a personality trait, a couple of them with Aaron that are fairly obvious. Number one, he doesn't like authority. He struggled with his parents, his brother, uh, Green Bay's front office. He, he pushes back on the media, the government. That's okay. I mean, I, when I was a kid sure. growing up, that was known as a liberal, a hippie <laughs> in the 60s, right? So I'm, sure. I'm okay with that. The other one is Aaron is absolutely sure he's the smartest guy in the room. And, and it comes across in every interview. Think about this. Forget all the government vaccine stuff. Robert Kennedy, conspiracy theories. Look at his football decisions. He chose an offense, a defensive coach, not a successful offensive coach, because he wanted the Jets. He liked the Jets. They have one player, Garrett Wilson, that could start for the Packers. One. Green Bay has the friendliest offensive salary cap for the next five years. They're not paying either tight end. Five receivers. The offensive line, all five start over the Jets. Even Aaron Jones, to me, is a bigger, stronger version of Brees Hall. So his football decisions stink. That he yeah. really, really believed Jets is going to be a great fit. They have one so, player. If Garrett Wilson twists his ankle, they don't have a player that can start for the Packers. When you watch Green Bay beat Dallas, if you don't believe it's a fluke and you believe it's players, that game wasn't competitive. Green Bay is stacked with talent. Well, there's certain so there's a lot of Green Bay angles here to go to. There's a fun remind me once we get on with the Rogers stuff to ask you a Jordan Love question sure. that I was asked today. So, all right, you sat on the front end. Don't care about Aaron Rodgers, you know, political opinion, stances, vaccine status. I I don't either. And he, in my opinion, uses that as a shield, meaning any criticism of him, he's like, oh, you don't like me. He is using the fact that some people criticized him about being unvaccinated. I think more people criticized him about lying about it. And then any negative attention he gets, he can be like, oh, that's not because you're actually engaging with what I've done. You hate me for this reason, which is just nonsense because Lamar Jackson's never been more popular. I don't think he was vaccinated. <laughs> Kirk Cousins is one of the most well-liked post-quarterback series. Oh, yeah. Quarterbacks in the league. I know he's not vaccinated. So it's not about that. But it is. this is someone who's, you know, in your life or someone that, you know, a family member who's like, yeah, nobody invites me around anymore because they don't want to hear the truth. And it's like, <laughs> no, it's because you're an asshole. Like, it's, it's not it's not our failing. It's yours. So so that stuff does irritate me. I'm not going to act like it doesn't. But as you cannot in modern America not have people in your life that you love, care about, and spend time with that have different opinions on, be it COVID, the upcoming election, a lot of things. Like, you, nobody is that in a bubble. So we all know how to deal with people we disagree with, some of the people we love and care about the most. So that's not it. Now you mentioned the football thing. So I think that was ego. I don't think it was purely... I think the Jets are better than the Packers. I think it was he probably underrated what the Packers could be because they were sh mediocre last year with him, and he doesn't have the self-awareness to be like, well, I was mediocre last year. 
Like, you weren't getting A-plus Aaron Rodgers last year. And, in fact, there was a great moment when he was on McAfee last season when I think it was after the first Lions game or something when the Packers were before they had started winning those games where he just kind of says out of nowhere, he's like, yeah, and, you know, my coach said that was my highest-graded game of the year and a loss. And it's like, oh, this guy just can't acknowledge that he might be part of their team struggling. So I think that's the first part of it. And the second part of it is, I think he thought, okay, well, it doesn't matter what the Jets have. Once they have me, they'll be awesome. And I think that's one thing for Aaron to be that. And by the way, that might have been true a decade ago. It's not true at 39 in the AFC in that, you know, in that division. But uh, it's another thing for the Jets a year into the experience. Now, they are not getting the Aaron Rodgers they thought they were getting, whatever they thought they were. They're getting a player a year older, off an Achilles, right. a year more removed from football, from good football. I mean, that game Jordan Love played was the best quarterback's best quarterback play the Packers have gotten in a playoff game in seven years. Yeah. Look it up. That was the and now he played phenomenally. So that would that's a high bar. So I think it is ego and being delusional. Like I I know this probably makes you a little uncomfortable because I often use you when I'm talking to you in analogies. But I think, you know, you made a decision in your career almost a decade ago to go from a more stable place to not quite a startup, whatever it is. I would would argue that would be maybe a poor decision for 70-year-old Colin Cowherd to make. Right. To be like, you know what? I'm, you know, I I can carry and build this new thing. Aaron's 70 in football years. Yeah. To think I can, you know, go LeBron the Cavs the second time around this for the Jets. No, you can't. And so I just, yeah, I think that, I think the Jets are, I looked around the league. Mike Vrabel, been to an AFC title game, gotten the one seed with Tennessee. Couple down years, not good enough. We got to move on. Bill Belichick obviously won six Super Bowls, went to nine, also went to the playoffs with Mac Jones. Two down years, not good enough. Got to move on. Uh, the other coach that was just fired after two bad years, I'll remember it. It was, uh, doesn't matter, but we're talking about, you know, all these coaches moving on. And then you look at the Jets, who it's like, well, Our coach wins 30% of his games, has two career wins against the division, has been there three years. Good enough. Let's stay there. You look at these coaches where it wasn't good enough, and then you look at Bob Sala, who they're like, yeah, let's run that back. And it's because that's what Aaron wants. And so then you do have to ask yourself the question, is what Aaron wants right now the best chance at winning or the most power possible? Do I want the best coach I can get, or do I want a coach who knows the reason he has the job is thanks to me, and yeah. therefore I run the whole operation? Yeah, I always feel in sports and in our business, it's wins. Like it, in our business, I don't care about anything other than in radio, my revenue is great right now, highest ad rates I've ever had, and in TV, my ratings are my highest. At the volume, we're crushing. Like to me, it's not about me. It's about the unit. If the unit's good, that exerts pressure on everybody around you because nobody yeah. wants to break up winning, <laughs> right? Yeah. If you're winning, and, and, and your show, by the way, is doing great, 
Nobody wants to screw that up, right? They want to extend it. So to right. Aaron, it, it's 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 really crazy. Did he have the forethought with all these super young players for Green Bay? He saw them. He saw Dobbs and Christian Watson. He knew they were talented. Did he not think, Jesus, if I hang around here for three years, you don't have to pay him. These are tremendous players. I mean, Aaron has to have some of like that, in the that's, easier conference and 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 a lot of a lot of factors there. And so I I don't think that. I don't think he thought those guys were that good because they didn't succeed last year and he can't I don't think he has the self-awareness to be like how much of that was on me. If you operate from a place of I am always excellent. I am always producing excellence and the results aren't excellent. Then I think you're like, well, this place sucks. Listen, if Brady was in New England and they would have had Dobbs, Christian Watson, Watson um, Jaden Reed this year, Musgrave, who I know Aaron didn't have, but yeah, but go ahead. Tom yeah. wouldn't have left. Tom was too smart. Tom left. I remember specifically on the sidelines during a New England game when he yelled at the receivers, just get open. His yeah. problem was New England's last seven drafts with Belichick, two pro bowlers, one's a punter. Yeah. Tom would have stayed. He was frustrated. I was told he was frustrated for three years before he left. The idea, and by the way, where did Tom choose? Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Bruce yeah. Arians. Where did Stafford choose? McVeigh, Cooper Cup, Andrew Whitworth. Aaron literally left this bevy of super talented kids, saw them, knew, by the way, in the in the following draft, they were going to go heavy tight end. And it was, all you had to do was go to one mock draft. It was the best tight end class when he was leaving. And like in Green Bay, they drafted two, I think, but in the second round or third. So the takeaway is, did Aaron ever get out of himself and go, this is all about having the right pieces? When Peyton Manning and chose Denver... Go look at their pieces, their O-line, their receiver, their tight end. It is remarkable that he didn't look at all that Green Bay talent that was on display Sunday. Now, some of it hadn't been drafted yet and go, God, look how good they are now. What are they going to be in a year? If you were advising Belichick of any of the jobs open or jobs that could be open, where would you tell him to go? I would say, listen, Bill, you've shown an ability to win rings with an elite quarterback and no ability to win with an average quarterback. One job has a really talented quarterback. The Chargers? The Chargers. Jalen Hurts is good. Maybe a bit overstated due to the Shiken, Shane Steichen, Lincoln, Riley connection. That would be second. But there is no disputing. Bill has shown no proclivity, no ability to draft and develop well or win without a quarterback. So there's no reason to believe he can address that if you don't have it so the right. that's why i wouldn't go to atlanta no that's, that's right. why i think the atlanta thing's crazy or people have talked about washington now i understand washington is the number two pick but that player's got to get developed like that's why now the other thing is this that i find interesting and people think it's unfair but i don't think it's unfair and maybe bill wouldn't do this this is really just a thought exercise which is you look around the league and and I like like I'm wondering what team, what teams would fire their coach if Bill called him and said, That's the job I want. 
I want to go to your team. I know you you have like so that you know right now technically Philly as a coach. I I don't know if they will much longer. I certainly if I were Jeffrey Lurie and I knew Belichick will take this oh, job. Yeah. yeah. I will fire Nick Sirianni, but that's almost too easy because he's on the hot seat either way. You know, not as many as you think, because I be- I have believed this for a long time. Um, less than half of the owners want to win first. Less than half. It may be less than a third. What they want is profits and control. The Spanos families had opportunities, including this year, to secede some control to Jim Harbaugh. He's the best candidate easily. It's not, I'm told in the building, unanimous. So, you know in the league, top 10 quarterback elite coach, you get to conference championships. You've got one. The other wants the job. Yes. So, the only reason not to choose that would be Profits and control. Belichick will force you and Harbaugh to have less control. And these owners, that is number one. Billionaires control people, their families, their businesses, their employees. They don't like loss of control. It's like Wall Street. Wall Street is is not just about earnings. Wall Street is about the unknown. It plummets on unknowns. Often a company will come out and say, we are chopping 10,000 jobs. The stock goes up. Okay. They're going to have a tighter, right? That's bad news. No, it's great news. It's known. Owners do not relinquish power. There's only a handful that would go, okay, I'll relinquish power. Jerry won't. Jerry had Jimmy and Bill. He let them both run. So, so I'm going to, this is on your, the, on your TV show today, I made up a fake trade, essentially. Mm-hmm. I'm now doing the coaching version of it, which is there's two AFC jobs that came to mind that I think are intriguing. If Bill Belichick's agent called up the owner of the Bengals and said, Bill, you know, would take that job if it were offered to him. Would you, if you were the owner of the Bengals, fire Zach Taylor to hire Bill Belichick? No. No. All right. Second one. Bill Belichick's agent calls up Shad Khan. Says, Bill Belichick would like to coach Trevor Lawrence. Would you fire Doug Peterson to hire Bill Belichick? I'd think about that one because I thought this year was when weird. I can't figure out why you get bad and it's not personnel. I think I'd probably make the move there. It was a weird year for that talented so, team. That and listen, the the easy answer is Trevor got hurt, but you still shouldn't go from eight and three to out of the playoffs entirely. Um, that so I'm not like advocating Belichick go like you know that would be a good revenge for that Eagles Super Bowl. Like, hey Dougie, <laughs> guess what? I'm sniping your job. But yeah, if I were Bill, my my jobs list would be. I would go down. I would make my own list of who are the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And I'd be like, okay, Mahomes won. Well, that job's no, you know, they're not firing Andy Reid. That's not available. And go down and then see, obviously the open one is Justin Herbert, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So then I would try to find a spot where either, and I don't think, 
it's a weird thing because nobody thinks this is like unfair with players. So like if you have a good NBA player who's been a, you know, you have no reason to trade or whatever. And then a star is like, I want to go to that team. Then that guy gets traded and nobody's like, oh, that, that's ridiculous. That's unfair. Maybe it's because it's firing, but I wouldn't think it was outrageous for a coach who had no reason to fire their, their own coach, fire their coach because Bill Belichick became available and they thought they were better. Like, I think that happens in life. It's like your job was safe, but this su- this supernova talent came into uh, the world or er, into our orbit. And so your job is no listen, longer safe. Listen, we know Jimmy Sexton controls college football. Fans yeah. have the overwhelming number of fans have no idea. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, So Kalen DeBoer got hired by from Washington. Yeah, and you Alabama. somehow knew Jed Fish was going to get the job. Well, I knew Jed Fish was getting Washington. In fact, I That's knew. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I knew Saturday night, but to protect Jed because it wasn't finalized and protect my source, I couldn't report it. So I'd rather have Bruce Feldman and those guys. I don't yeah. make my money on breaking college Re- football. Reporting. Yeah. Kalen DeBoer. Uh, I've known Jed for a while. I'm not going to screw up his contract. And, you know, had he told Arizona. Oh, that okay. stuff. Oh, I didn't know that part yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. So Kalen DeBoer, I was told, basically said, okay, Jimmy Sexton, I'll let you be my agent, but I want the Bama job. And Jimmy Sexton's like, I'll get you in the top two. And so he knew Kalen DeBoer was going to be. So Kalen DeBoer, I knew on Wednesday, was going to be a top two candidate. He didn't guarantee him the job, but in order to rep him, he was going to get yeah. – and Sark, Alabama knew, Greg Byrne knew that Sark wasn't going to take the job. Sark loves – his wife loves Austin. They weren't leaving. They called Sark as almost a perfunctory, professional thank you for what you've given us. Yeah, and get him a, a raise at Texas. That's right. That Alabama job coming they, open was great for a lot of people's economies. Everybody was out here getting raises. Right, right, right. So it was one of these sort of um, – we're going to call Sark, but it wasn't. He was never, ever, they never thought they were going to get Sark. So it was a prime example of, so to your point, is that this Jimmy Sexton is operating on multiple levels. He is promising interviews and opportunities. He didn't say, Kalen, you're going to get the Bama job. He goes, I'm going to get you in the running for it. And so this idea that he was the fourth guy, no, 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 no. Kalen DeBoer signed with Jimmy. I want to be in the running for that. And so the idea that agents don't do that, I've had an agent forever. You have. We're we're talking 18 months out. So this kind of stuff, Belichick's agent is calling and yeah, doing that. Calling and seeing what jobs would come open if you knew he wanted the job. Yeah, I mean, Brady I would, did I, the same. Brady picked his team. Bill probably has three teams he's interested in. So, yeah. And by the way, I don't maybe listen, maybe he'll go to Atlanta and it'll it'll be weird. Maybe that'll happen. I thought it was really odd Atlanta tweeting out, we've just finished our interview with Bill Belichick. Yeah. It just, I don't know Bill Belichick, but that seems like the type of thing that would make him not want to coach your team. Yeah. I almost wondered if Bill's agent asked for that. I'm not saying it. Oh. For, hey, could you make sure Bill wants it out there that people are interested? Right. Sure. Like, that makes more sense. Yeah. Because because so if he did, if he did, I would almost because what I thought was 
that it was a stress test for the organization. Like, I'll go meet with you guys because I maybe I am interested and I want to see if it leaks. And you know what I mean? And and then saw that it was everywhere. What you're saying actually makes probably more sense. Bill um, wants to be viewed as viable. When you get to be 70, Pete Carroll, when he stepped to the podium losing the Seattle job, he was like, my energy's great. He was talking to every other GM in the league, every other owner. Hey, it's not my energy. I'm going a thousand miles. He started talking really fast. He was selling himself. Bill wants it to be known. I'm interested and teams are interested in me. And his agent wants that out there. Yeah, th no, that that makes sense. So if you had to bet right now, where would you say? And maybe you don't want to say, but where do you think he goes? I think um, Philadelphia and Washington, he's got a big, he's got multiple homes in Nantucket. He's got a big spread. So he wants to be a private jet flight there. You know, he doesn't, Bill's not going to go. He's going to do Washington or Philadelphia. He's not going West. It just doesn't, he doesn't have any connections there. And, you know, by the way, if he brings Josh McDaniel, Josh McDaniel's Northeast, he, Josh has had no success out West, Vegas, Denver. He's yeah. going to come back East. I think Philadelphia is the answer. Yeah. I think Philadelphia is the answer. You stay in the Northeast. You stay in a prime media market. You have a talented roster. It's and Listen, I think the talent on the roster is a little overrated, but what's not overrated is the D-line talent. So, you know, Belichick can coach up the secondary. He can create a secondary if there's anything out of thin air. And even if Jalen is, you know, a flawed quarterback, He's the best quarterback that Belichick's had in a half decade. You know what I mean? Like you go from yeah. Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi to Jalen Hurts, you feel like you're playing a different fucking sport. Right. So the, the, there is real, there's real value there. The volume. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print, or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.